Welcome to Student of the Game Podcast, where we help you master the fundamentals, fall in love with practice, and win at the game of life. I'm your host, Brad Knoll. Welcome to the classroom. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are joined by my new friend, Coach Cam Cameron. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So I'm going to do something that we haven't done yet before is I'm actually going to read your bio because I think the listeners really need to hear the depth and the level in, in the path that your career is going. So um, I appreciate you sending me this, but uh, this, is, this is Cam Cameron uh, bio. So, so Cam Cameron is a strategic business leader, National Football League consultant, and real estate entrepreneur. For more than three decades, he served in a variety of capacities as an NFL and NCAA head coach and assistant, including head coach with the Miami Dolphins, and for those here in Indiana, Indiana University, uh, and an offensive coordinator with the San Diego Chargers, Baltimore Ravens, and LSU. Quarterbacks coach with the Redskins, the former Redskins, and quarterback receivers coach at University of Michigan, where you did uh, begin your career with the legendary coach Bo Schembechler. During his various high-level coaching stops, Cameron tutored NFL Hall of Fame running back LaDainian Tomlinson, Heisman Trophy winner Desmond Howard, college football Hall of Fame nominee Antoine Randall-L., and pros including Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Joe Flacco, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and future Hall of Fame tight end Antonio Gates. Cameron earned a business degree from Indiana University where he played, get this, he played both football and basketball, and the latter for legendary coach Bob Knight. He and his wife, Missy, are parents of four children and reside in Pinehurst, North Carolina, which I'm sure you're playing a little golf, hopefully, uh, in Pinehurst. Okay. Coach, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. That sounds like a guy who's been around. Sounds like an old guy, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's called wisdom, in my opinion. So, so I want to I want to make sure I want to make sure the listeners hear something. Um, you know, this is not necessarily a sports podcast, uh, okay? And and a lot of our guests so far have some connection to sports. I grew my story is I grew up in the locker room. You know, my dad always taught me there's more to life than basketball, but through basketball you can learn many important lessons about life. And and everything that I know in growing our real estate business has come from being in a locker room, you know, being on a team, understanding leadership, accountability, hard work, dedication, all those things. And so I have a large, large network of coaches in my life. And I just want to bring those coaches to the forefront. And I want today, I want to hear your story and I want you to share with others how sports and how coaching can impact their own business. There may be accountants on here. There may be painters, plumbers, salespeople, teachers, and there's so many lessons that can be learned through the lens of sports. And so what better way than to uh, have somebody with a decorated career like yourself, coach? So let's, uh, let, let's get to know Coach Cameron a little bit. Tell us about your story, where you're from, and how you got to where you're at today. Well, when you and I first uh, talked about me being on this show, it was exciting because uh, getting, getting to know your dad down here, who I'm impressed with the way he runs his business. I'm also impressed with his golf game, just so you know. He uh, a lot of won a match uh, not too long ago together. And then the Indiana connection that, that we all have and the basketball connection. There's a lot of, a lot of cool things uh, that, that connected us. But uh, it all started for me. I'm originally from North Carolina. But uh, when people ask my wife, Missy, and I, you know, where are you from? Uh, we say Indiana. She's from Bloomington. Um, I, my, my formative years, I grew up uh, in Terre Haute, and Terre Haute had a huge impact on me. But originally, I was being raised by uh, my mom uh, uh, as a single parent, uh, me and my sister, uh, there were the three of us. And uh, I was in Durham, North Carolina. And for several years, I, I was a decent little athlete. I was in, I was in love with uh, North Carolina basketball, Bean Smith, 
George Carl was my childhood uh, idol, if you will, uh, before I moved to Indiana and just tried to emulate everything that, that he did. So that had a big impact on me. I had a lot of great coaches uh, initially as a young kid. Uh, uh, Coach Armstrong, I'll give you an example, elementary school at Holt Elementary. Uh, we won the state championship here uh, when I was uh, 12 years old, which was, which was kind of cool. But uh, my life really was kind of, I was probably, I was a really good student early, then as a single parent, I became a little loose as a kid. Academics, uh, my mom worked, uh, left in the morning at six, got home at six, and academics uh, were a little bit of a struggle for me. And then she started dating a football coach. And that's my, my stepfather, a, a guy named Tom Hart. Uh, and uh, he's still alive. He'll be 96 this year, lives here uh, in Pinehurst. That's why we're here, uh, to take care of him and my mom. Uh, my mom's struggling a little bit, but he's doing great. And sure enough, she's dating. Uh, they're dating for a year, and he gets the head coaching job. He was currently the running back coach at uh, the Naval Academy. He had been the head coach at Duke, Cornell, coached at West Point, a lot of places. But all, he gets the job at Indiana State. And they tell us that, tell me and my sister that we're going to move to Terre Haute. I didn't, I'd never been out of the state yet other than go to Myrtle Beach uh, in South Carolina. So that was a little bit of a shocker. But I was fired up because I knew it was a basketball state. I love basketball. So fast forward, we moved to, uh, to Terre Haute. There's the three of us living in a house. They weren't married yet. So they, he, he, we, we weren't, uh, he wasn't living in the house. And, but I was like you. Brad, I, I started getting around the locker room. I was working in the equipment room. I was sitting in meetings. I was around coaches all day. Uh, and, and, and my dad, my stepdad was a phenomenal football coach and very, very, uh, very disciplined. And, and just as, as things work out sometimes, that's exactly what I needed in my life at 12 years old, some discipline. He and I think this is probably where the two major changes happened to me in Indiana. Uh, number one, he said to me, he says, uh, so you like sports, huh? I said, yeah, absolutely. And he says, well, just so you know, you'll be getting B's or better in school or there'll be no sports. He told wow. me that once and I never called him on it. I was fortunate to up my game and got B's or better all through junior high and high school and into college. And, uh, so, so that helped. And then at the same time, I got a knock on the door by three gentlemen uh, that said they had heard we had just moved to town. And there was a, they had a fund there in Terre Haute where they would sponsor kids to go to summer camps. And I was sponsored to go to an FCA camp. Well, FCA is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I didn't know what FCA stood for. I didn't remember that's what they said it stood for when they told me, but I went to the camp anyway because I'd never, my mom couldn't afford to send me to a camp. So I go in, in Rockville, um, Indiana. I go to the FCA camp when I was 12 years old, right before I went into seventh grade. And went seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, senior in high school, went six years, and then came back as an athlete in Indiana as a counselor. But back to that first year is when I accepted Christ into my life. And that you combine that, the discipline of an, a dad in the home, just kind of that, that family component, if you will, that uh, obviously not everyone gets. I was, I would say, fortunate to not have it and then to have it. 
Uh, sure. Yeah, my biological dad was around until I was in second grade. But um, you never forget when that split happens and he tells you he's leaving. And then you're, that absent thing happens to you. And then all of a sudden, now you got a dad, a dad with uh, real high standards, a disciplinarian. He, one thing I, he taught me early on, it's, uh, it's better to be an hour early than a minute late. So just got me in the habit of showing up early. To this day, I've just always got to the ballpark early, always get to an office meeting early. I always fly somewhere usually if I can, if it, the timing's right, you know, get there early. It's better to be an hour early than a minute late because obviously a minute late speaks to everybody and, and how important you feel that that event is. And he proved it to me one day. I asked him, uh, hey, can I head in with you tomorrow to the office? And he says, well, I'm leaving at five o'clock. He, he would always leave to go to the office around five o'clock. And I, I went into the driveway at 5.01 or 2, and he was gone. And I, I, I went into my mom, woke her up. I said, he left, he left. And she didn't have a whole lot to say. Well, I got on my bike and from our house on the south side up to the Indiana State uh, football offices. is about, I'm going to say, eight or 10 miles. Just got on my bike about 5.15, rode my bike up to the office. And I think, and he, this is when my parents had just gotten married. I think that sent a message to him as well that, hey, I might be listening. And so growing up in the locker room was huge. Uh, got to I want to I I interrupt for a second because I know we're going to get to the IU here and, and, and your playing career and, and yep. whatnot because that, that's interesting. But there's, there's a couple things that you've said already. Um, you know, one, you didn't, you didn't play the victim, you know, your, your family dynamics, you know, with your biological father and moving states and, you know, you didn't play the victim there. The other thing I heard was you were willing to be coached, right? You were willing to be coached in your faith. You were willing to be coached in your discipline. I mean, what would, what would, what advice would you give somebody who maybe doesn't have that type of a figure in their life that is coaching them up on a regular basis? And, and on a, a lot of times when, you know, circumstances do not go in our favor, it's easy to play the victim. So what advice would you have for people that, you know, Hey, stop playing the victim, you know, let's, let's tie your boots and let's go. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I have, uh, some readings I do in the mornings. I don't do it. I don't make it. I mean, there's, there's days where something happens. I don't read it, but it's, I think number one, you, you got to humble yourself and you got to look inward first, you know, don't beat yourself up. But I remember one of those FCA camps, Kent Benson, the great IU mm -hmm. center on all those teams in the seventies and a great NBA player, you know, just talked about, you know, looking in the mirror, look, look the man in the mirror, look into the mirror first. And, and I try to do that without beating, okay, something's not going right here. All right, so what would I do different? Um, what could I have done different? My, for example, my dad and my grandfather, who I never met, my grandfather never met, were both died of alcohol, alcoholism. They were alcoholics. Well, that impacted my life in a huge positive way. I said, well, okay, there's one thing I'm not going to do. And instead of falling into that trap and, and just perpetuating that. So I just, am, am I wired that way? Is that something that God has just blessed me with? Is it something that um, I had great coaches that always pushed me toward the team? I was always the point guard. Um, just like, you know what that is? People ask me, well, what, how'd you feel scoring 38 against Terre Haute North uh, in, uh, at the arena at Indiana State? And I said, well, scoring is great. If you need, if you, if, if 
just I'm sure you're the same way. I know your dad. If, if we need, if you need us to score, we'll light you up. But the enjoyment of the assist, I've always felt was better than the, the than scoring. Right? I learned that from George Carl. That's why North Carolina always points. Uh, and, and it's a tradition. They point to the guy that, that passed them the ball because of the assist. So to me, I've had so many people help me and frame my thinking. I, I mean, I don't know, 10 shows, I could thank everybody that's helped me think that way. So if someone's out mm -hmm. there listening and something's happened your way, you know, take a peek at it. What's happened? How can you improve it? Improve it? What do you want to do moving forward and start your day uh, every day, sometimes, I tell you, we went one and fifteen in Miami, and I can tell you this: uh, when I was head coach at Miami, and it'd been a while since I'd even been on a losing team, and and I got up every morning and just asked for strength, ask God for strength, you know, give me knowledge, give me wisdom, come on, help me, you know, give me whatever it takes just to get through this day one at a time, and sometimes it's a matter of learning, taking it one day at a time and try not to get too, too far ahead of yourself. That'd be, that's just kind of so, how I live my life. At least. So, so I'll, so I'll pivot a little bit here. So, you know, there may be dolphin fans listening. There may be uh, Wolverine fans listening, Hoosiers, you know, San Diego chargers. There, there's a lot of sports fans out there and, and this podcast is going to air, you know, as we head into the NFL season. So there's a lot of football fans out there, but uh, I asked my question, my kids, a question it's uh, it's what should I ask the coach? What do you want to know from the coach? And uh, I've got a couple questions and, and one of them kind of talks about your time with Miami. It says, how do you bounce back from a losing streak mentally and physically you know if if there's there, it's it's funny a lot of their friends have subscribed to the podcast and there's a lot of young young student athletes listening here and i think what's what's important is to be able to talk to all different types of people i might have a losing streak in my real estate business if i'm a painter and i've given a bunch of quotes and nobody's hiring me i may have a losing streak you know the difference is you know coach when when you're on a losing streak the paper reports it the news reports it. Nobody, nobody comes to me, and I've said this on another podcast before, there's not a, a news station here filming my Wednesday and then reports that I missed so many calls on a, on a Thursday. And right. so how do, you, how do you deal with, how do you bounce back from a losing streak mentally and physically? Well, I think it started off with my stepfather whenever I would complain. You know, we were, I would just grew up in a, in a home where you, we, didn't, we didn't talk negative about others. My mother always said, she was raised this way here in North Carolina. If you can't say something nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. That was one thing that I always said. Number two, my dad said, okay, you know, let, let's think about somebody else instead of how tough you have it. And he could always mention, no, no matter how tough you think you have it, there's always somebody that has it worth. So how are you going to move forward? And when, when I was in Miami, I think uh, I'm coming from San Diego. We had just gone 14 and two. All right. Now we can't win a game and we're battling our tails off to try to win a game. It, it, it came, I think, to my perspective and my perspective is through my life experience and, and then learning from other people's life experiences. Right? One thing that has helped me, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. One was melanoma. Bo Schembechler saved my life, seen it on my back one day in the locker room and then prostate cancer and stats on prostate cancer, the one that I had, weren't good. And then I also have a son who's uh, went to West Point and is currently uh, employed in the Army. And you go, 1 in 15 is 1 in 15. It's tough. No one wants to go through it. It's tough on the fan base. It's tough on 
a lot tougher on your my family than it really was on me. That was probably the hard part. But you got to know what's what's life threatening and what isn't. All right, cancer's life threatening. One in fifteen isn't unless you let it become life threatening. I have seen some guys take a loss or something that's not life threatening and making it life threatening and it really just derails them. So to me, I said, okay, what can I learn from that experience? How can I keep my head up and be the leader of my family and and the and the friends and the mentors and and everybody that I'm associated with? How can I give them something positive to look at? through what was really a very hard time, but in the big scheme of things, not as big as maybe people would think. So that's, again, that's my approach. That's just my perspective. But like you're saying, I guess, you know, try to learn from other people's perspectives. I know I have. What, what, what'd you take away? What, what, what area uh, did you grow in when you went one in 15? Like was, was your faith resurrected a little bit? Got a little closer to the Lord was, uh, um, you know, your leadership got better. Uh, you know, did, did you improve or change some of your habits? Like what, what did you, cause I, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, I went through your, your bio here. I went through your resume and people are probably like, Oh, coach Cameron, like he's successful NFL coach. You know, he has no problems. Like there's, there's no challenges in his life right now. And I think we learn the most from the challenges and the, and the difficult part is I think we fail to pay attention to him, you know, asking yourself the question. What am I supposed to learn in this season of my life? And and I, I guess my question to you is, what, well, where did you grow the most in that season? Well, it's it's just I don't know. If, there's a t- there's so many areas I grew in. Number one, but two, it's just a great reminder of the man in the mirror, or they looked in the mirror. All right, you can't lie to that person. Mm-hmm. And I had to look myself in the mirror every day and say, Am I giving this football team? Am I giving our front office? Am I giving our scouts? Am I giving our fan base? Am I giving them everything I've got? And I can honestly say I did that. You know, if, if, um, and if, 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 if there's one thing that I would say to the Miami, Miami fan base, and I think a lot of, a lot of them know that, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of them don't. I gave you every single thing I had and it didn't work out. You know, you know, obviously we were planning for the future and you got to be careful in the NFL. Uh, if, if you plan too far ahead, uh, even the next year, because they can get you in one year and, and that's happened, happened multiple times. So, but so let's go, let's fast forward. This is the irony of it. So we win one home game at Miami that year. That was our only win. We beat the Baltimore Ravens. So, oh. I get hired by the Baltimore Ravens. I'm driving. I got a U-Haul behind our, my, my truck. I'm headed back to meet my kids in California, and I get a call from John Harbaugh that he's interviewing for the, for the job in Baltimore. I won't give you the whole story. It's a pretty good one, but I just said, hey, if you, if, uh, you know, I'd love to be your coordinator. He had coached for me at Indiana. John Harbaugh got his first major job at Indiana, and so he had coached for me, and I said, yeah, I'd love to be your coordinator. So let them know in the interview process that I'm I'm your guy. So I I, I kind of I let my family know that. Sure enough, he gets the job, meaning I get the job. And the next year we go. I look on the look on the uh, schedule. We're at Miami. We go down there, and they had a, they had a nice little team. We we had a lot of we obviously we had a young team at one and fifteen. A lot of those you know second years a big year in the NFL, and uh, they they had made some nice acquisitions. So we, we thumped them pretty good. So that was the first thing. But then first round of the playoffs, we play them again in Miami and we beat them again. 
But point is, you say, okay, how do you keep moving forward? What did you learn? You know, you just keep putting your best foot forward. Keep putting your best foot forward. Be honest with yourself. Don't, don't trick yourself. Look in the mirror. Make sure you know you are putting your best foot forward. So we went, when I go to Baltimore, I won more games in Miami Stadium, two, than I did when I was a head coach. When I was in my home games. So you season. never know how it's going to play out. So you just keep the keep a positive attitude. Just keep trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is kind of my thing. I think, you know, trusting the Lord and 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 uh that is something that has has really just uh set the table for me on a day-to-day basis. And and that trust is so, so important. I, I remember the first day of like our training camp, you know, we show up and, you know, to, to practice. And, and I actually, you know, talk to my kids and my team about this now is, you know, our coaching staff always, always used to say, and this is the same thing as man in the mirrors, you know, guys, you can cheat the coaches. You can cheat your teammates, right? You can, you can cheat your family, but the one person you'll never be able to cheat is yourself. So no if you're, if you're staying up late, your body's going to show it, you know, you're going to have injuries. You're not going to be able to compete. So, so, uh, you know, in our sales team, it's how many calls did you make last week? Okay. I, I talked to 15 of my clients. Okay, great. How about the next week? I talked to another 15. Cool. Where's your business? Like, why aren't people calling you back? You know, so, so at some point you, you're right. You got to look, you got to look that man in the mirror. Hey, can Let's, I add uh, one thing to that yeah, real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah so go I think, for it. I think how you talk to yourself is super important. Don't kid Agreed. yourself. Don't, but you know, positive affirmations, you know, Drew Brees, well, let's, let's talk. Let's talk Drew time. Brees here. Pardon me. Yeah, let's talk Drew Brees here a little yeah. bit. I have a question he for was you. But all-time positive talker to to his teammates, but also to himself, and then and then challenge himself. Come on, Drew. Drew, you're better than that. There you go, Drew. I mean, it was just you know. And I talk to myself a lot. People, people look at me. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to myself. And yeah. uh, I talk a lot in my sleep. My wife tells me I talk in my sleep all the time. And I'm sure it's and, all positive. And yeah, early on, um, I, I just heard that from somewhere. I had coaches that were positive coaches, and and then I, I don't know who I don't know who exactly it was, but I just always try to positive on the golf course. Now I've learned ch- how to ch- when when do I need to challenge myself? Do it out loud. Do it verbally uh, to yourself on the golf course. It's it's um, it, it's it's been it's been great for me. So yeah, you're not going to fool yourself, but uh, whatever you do, you don't have to beat yourself up. Just be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and challenge yourself versus beat yourself up and know that no one's perfect and learn from those mistakes. I would say that is huge. It was, it's been huge for me. And, and I try to talk to my kids about that as well. And I really talk to them about it versus kind of model. It. I think modeling it, yep. you know, is, is what you, we're all saying. And, uh, yeah. I've got a high school daughter who plays golf. And, uh, when, when we're golfing together, one of the things that I'm modeling for her is, you know, no matter how, I mean, I'm, I'm going to hit the ball way left or way right. When I step up to the ball and when we find it eventually, I always say to myself, this is my favorite shot. There you go. This this is my favorite shot. This, this may be a low four iron draw around this tree, but this is my favorite shot. And so now she's, she's how did that, uh, how did her event in Franklin go? It's fantastic. We're halfway through the season. They won. There's 22 teams there, and, and their high school got first place out of uh, out of all of them. So it's not it, it's it's not the big one. It's not the big one. Um, I said hello to Ted. He told me to tell you hi. But, yeah, well, as you know, Ted Bishop was in my in our wedding, and yeah. he's a great friend. And he's a great story because I, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, obviously. But he started a little course in Linton, Indiana, and I played in probably a hundred plus 
uh, celebrity golf outings to raise money for charities. Mm-hmm. By far, the best one I've ever been involved with was Ted Bishop's tournament in Linton, Indiana. Uh, he's no longer there, obviously. He's up in Franklin. But uh, mm-hmm. Ted Bishop is a great guy for any of you viewers. You want to have a great round of golf and meet a great guy, go to Franklin, Indiana. For legend. Time out. Student of the Game is brought to you by Knoll Team Real Estate. Our mission is to eradicate mediocre real estate transactions. On your largest financial purchase, you shouldn't have to deal with average. We do this by helping you save time, reduce your stress, and helping you keep as much money in your pocket as we can. You can help us out by introducing us to your friends or family who want to make confident real estate decisions, whether buying, selling, building, or investing. At Knoll Team Real Estate, we are connected to a group of realtors who sell one in every eight homes in North America. If you know someone moving out of your area, there's a great chance we can connect them to somebody we know, like, and trust. Remember, relationships win. Now back to the show. As a, as a coach uh, and you're a consultant with the NFL right now, let's talk about a, li- a little bit down this road of mastering the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals to coaching? You know, I mean, we're w- w- when I when you're sharing this, we're talking to leaders out there. We're talking to salespeople. We're talking to teachers. Whoever you are, you are a leader. You lead somebody. You know, even if you have an hourly job, you know, there's there's customers, there's clients that are calling in. You lead people. What are the fundamentals that we need to master as it relates to coaching? Well, I, I think first and foremost, and I read a book, and and I always say, a guy, actually, a guy said this to me the other day. Now I'm saying it. You'll never confuse reading something or studying something with doing something. You know, I mean, you don't just because you read something, you know, that doesn't. You 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 got to really kind of know it before uh, you can. I think you can pass it along. But I read, I did read a book that my dad had had on his shelf called "You Win with People." It was written by Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes, a famous football coach from Ohio State. Well, then obviously I go to Michigan. And so they're rivals and uh, never got to coach against Coach Hayes, but followed him as a kid. All my dad's side of the family is from Ohio. And did I know what that meant when I read it, you know, in, in high school? Probably not. But um, without question, any successes that, that I've been a, uh, an opportunity to be a part of in my you know, kind of my post-college days is the people. And when I've been in a position to either influence the hiring of someone or to just hire someone, you, you've got to get the right people, the right person, the right fit. And those, those people come in every uh, ethnicity, every, every, every way possible. And, but you've got to get good people around you. And it doesn't take but one person in any organization to derail the whole thing. This mm-hmm. is the darnest thing. If you hear that story when you're a young entrepreneur or young in business, you hear, yeah, I was one person going to infect an entire organization. Trust me, it does. So you, uh, I would just say, first and foremost, the fundamentals are, you know, you win with the right people working together. And then I come from a, the team, the team, the team concept, which is has challenges in the sports world. But I have a son who... Uh, my oldest son's in business and was more uh, on the speech debate side, moved away from sports to get into some other things. And he goes, dad, he goes, you got to realize in business, it's not like walking into an NFL complex where everybody's pretty much on the same page and it's a team, the team, the team. I, I, I believe in it. I get it. But in business, he goes, most businesses, 
You know, they don't allow a Bible study. You know, most businesses don't talk about the team. They push individuals. They want people climbing over each other to, and, and I've just never been around a successful business that, uh, people where people didn't work together. Uh, but I hear that goes on a lot out there, but I just don't stick around those kind of places. So, so it right sounds like, so it sounds like business is more of like fantasy football where everybody's out, out for themselves. And, but, but I want to, I want to pick up a theme here. So if you're listening right now, this is the theme I'm picking up in your life, coach. You, you've got a decorated resume. It, it would be easy for you to say, I did that. I did this. You know, this is me. My identity is wrapped into my titles. My identity is wrapped into all this. And you've used a couple words, you know, humility is one, you know, you talk about, you need other people, you know, the fundamentals of being a great coach is you need other people to, to win. And, and so I don't, I don't believe success happens in isolation, you know, and, and to, to right. your point, you know, it takes a team, it takes the individual effort. Uh, another question that uh, my kids had is, how hard is it managing so many different personalities? If, if, if really other people is the, is the fundamental to coaching, how hard is it to manage these other personalities? I don't think it's hard at all. Um, but my life experience lends itself to be able to deal with multiple personalities, um, multiple ethnicities, recruiting that takes you into every city. I've, I've, been in, I've been easily in every major city in the country multiple times in every area of those cities. And then out in Iowa, in, in, in the Midwest, I mean, you, you name it. So you get to know all the differences there are throughout our country and how you deal with all different types of people. And, you know, I'd studied management in college. And then, then I realized, the, for me, the word management meant when I'm managing, I'm basically sitting behind my desk by myself early in the morning, putting together the daily schedule for the organization, say a football program. Okay, we're meeting at such and such. All right, you have breakfast, lunch, you know, you got different things you manage, but leading, uh, I always said, you know, I try to lead players and get to know players and management. I take management almost out of the human component because when I found myself managing people, I didn't feel the connection. So maybe that's, that's, this is just me. This is for me. Sure. And, but, I, but I have watched organizations where, yeah, this cat's managing us, he does, but he doesn't know us. And he, he might walk by you in, in, the, in the hallway you know, and not even see you. And so I, I view people that don't want to connect but yet are responsible for you as probably people managers. The people that I've worked for or the, or the way I wanted to be in that position was a leader. And someone where where we're sharing ideas, where I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of this lifelong learner, as I'm sure you figured out. You're a student and of the I, game. Yeah, yeah. And I figured I figured okay, if I hire somebody, I want to hire somebody that can do what we need them to do, has room to grow, but someone I can learn from as the leader. And and I think that makes it so much more fun. Um, and one of the things I always said, Brad, and I know everyone can't do this. Everyone's circumstance does not allow this. But there'll be people listening where it does. I've always said that I never wanted to take a job where I felt like if one of my non-negotiables, and we that's another thing, I have a little list of non-negotiables that I will never compromise, that, that I couldn't walk out the door and just say thank you and move on. And just say, you know, that's yeah. that's not an area that I really need to be involved in. And again, I was fortunate 
to be able to bring good people into my organi- my organizations or to be inserted into great organizations where I never truly felt that way because I never felt like I had to compromise any of my non-negotiables. But I do think that's a big part of how you look at things in the business world is, okay, what are your non-negotiables? Um, you know, cheat, lie, steal. Um, you know, those are, those are biblical, right? Uh, you know, my son at the West Point, duty, honor, you know, courage, different things, you know, there's just, uh, and I was fortunate, but, and my kids have said to me, here's one thing my kids have said back, because you never know when it's going to really sink in, right? And what they hear when they're young and all of a sudden they get in their, all, all four of my kids are in their twenties. And my daughter at her senior presentation last year uh, at USC said, you know, I, it took me, she said when she was putting together her experience there over four years, she had, it came down a lot to my non, my non-negotiables. And he goes, that's something my dad had, had talked about at one time. And, and she, uh, a lot of her success, she said, was not, you know, compromising her non-negotiables through her four years at USC. So I think that all that's fantastic. Yeah, it's all intertwined. There's no, you can read a lot in books. You can learn a lot from books, but you can't become a leader through a book, right? Mm -hmm. Matt Burke, if you, if you look up at a guy named Matt Burke was our center in Baltimore, uh, great guy ran for Lieutenant governor last year in Minnesota. I love what he would always say when he would speak to people. He said, people, because he's been Harvard guy, 15-year NFL career. He says, people always ask me, you know, what's the secret? What's the secret? What's the secret? And he stops. He goes, okay, here's the secret. And he pauses. And he goes, the secret is there is no secret. It comes down to hard work. How important is it to you? And he comes in and he and there's no way around hard work. There's no way around it. And uh, that's that's another example that I think that just again blends into everything we're saying. Well, and there's there's so many times where you know I've I've I'm a constant learner. I grow constantly is one of our core values. And I go to seminars and conferences, and I just try to absorb as much as I can. And uh, one of my mentors said one time is education without implementation is purely entertainment. There you go. That's a great. And, 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 and that's what it is. And so, you know, I, I mean, if you're listening and, and you're somebody who grows constantly, like I, I know there's people out there because I'm one of them. How many books are you buying and they sit on the shelf, right? And it's like, oh, I need to learn this. I need to learn this. But it goes back to I said, something that you said, uh, non-negotiables. We have our core values. You know, our right. core values in our business is, is serve others, earn everything, grow constantly, win together, and always repping, always represent. And, wow. and if, if you don't have those, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with realtors in our marketplace now that are kind of lost and, and they don't have that direction. And I think, you know, you're, the work that you do in your life, you need to have that direction. So I, the first thing I would do is stop right now. If you don't have core values in your life for your family or for your business, like that's, that's how we make decisions. That's, that's how we make big decisions. That's how we make small decisions. And, uh, and, and it's, not, it's not just you know, an acronym. It's not just a plaque we put in the office. You know, we try to live by them. You know, I yeah. think you talked, talked a lot about, you know, living by these principles. You know, it's, it's not just, um, you know, something on a t-shirt. And so I want to, I want to talk about falling in love with practice because, you know, you've, you've been involved with so many great professionals, you know, you've been involved in, in the coaching industry for so long. Who, who is somebody who's a professional, uh, college or pro that had the best work ethic that, that had the best practice day in and day out, you know, cause we talk about, there's no secret, right? 
Right. Oh, there, 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 there's, yeah, yeah, no, there's, there is no secret. Um, man, I've had so many. All right. So Drew Brees goes right to the top of the list, but also come to Antoine Randall, who was my quarterback. You mentioned him earlier at Indiana, who's now the wide receiver coach for uh, the Detroit Lions. Never had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Uh, never, always as a leader, as a player. And he truly, you know, every, I mean, you, if you came to one of our practices, uh, in Indiana, watched Antoine Randall. You'd swear it was a game. It looked no different than the game. Drew Brees, if you watched our practice, he wanted to win every rep. Philip Rivers win every rep. Ladanian Tomlinson. All right, I, I, I'll tell people. Okay, who's the all-time leading scorer in the history of the National Football League? Well, some people know that it's Ladanian Tomlinson. And but here's what they don't know: he ran every time. Every time. And I had him for five years. He never missed a practice in five years. So there tells you, A, the number one ability you got to have is availability. Show right? up. You got to be there. You got to show up. You got to be there. But then, okay, now once you're there, all right, now what's your productivity going to be? He, ask anybody that was there, he ran to the end zone every single play. It got to the point where it slowed down our practices, but he would run. It was an 80 yard. If we spotted the ball, we were working the drill going 80 yards. He was going to run 80 yards for a touchdown. So we started moving the ball closer to the end zone so we didn't have to wait so long for him to come back or sub somebody in there. But he refused not to score, to score, to score, to score. And it's to me, that's a perfect example of a guy. He didn't just magically, it wasn't a fluke that he's the all-time leading scorer. He made practice a game. Michael Jordan there's a quote by Michael Jordan. I probably won't get it exactly, but he basically said, you need to practice like you play, or otherwise all you're doing is practicing getting worse. Mm. And so you you got to practice to get better. you got to yeah. practice to get better. Because if you're just putting in the time, you are really practicing to get worse. And that, that was actually, I used to add that Michael Jordan quote in every NFL um, uh, playbook that we ever put together. And so wow. just getting guys to buy into practice. Now you got to be smart in your practice. And, and I think analytics and data have really today help us all understand without rest and recovery, you can't put your best foot forward in practice and you can over practice. I yeah. learned that early in my career at Michigan. We, 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 we had a terrible bowl record early on because we played about 25 bowl games before we got to the bowl game. We were done. We were spent. So, you know, you've, you've got to you, – you, you, I don't know if you're going to be successful pacing yourself, but you, everything's got to be game-like. And if it's not game-like, then tone it down and go do something else in an area that's less strenuous – and, and you've got to really come up with a system that allows you to practice uh, at a high level, recover at a high level, and then perform when the lights come on. And the, when I say the lights come on, that could be a listing presentation. Mm-hmm. That could be an interview. You know, you know, don't go into an interview worn out from, you know, yeah, spending the 48 hours up with no sleep. That ain't smart. So you got to be smart about what you do. Uh, but whatever you do, pacing yourself, there's a fine line between pacing yourself and really getting after it, as you say, you know, ripping and running. 
Well, and we talk about the rest run cycle, you know, every business has some seasonality to it, right? If I'm a landscaper, I know what my seasonality is, you know, if I, oh, great, uh, great right. And, yeah. and so, and so the seasonality of your business is you've got to have, you know, the, the rest run built into there, you know, in, in real estate, you know, we do have, you know, times where the volume's a little higher and, and we could get into a whole nother episode about this. Cause I know you and Missy have a great real estate practice. So for all the, all the realtors listening to this all across the country that are following us, uh, Cam and Missy have a fantastic real estate business in, in Pinehurst, North Carolina. So if you have a golfer, uh, that, uh, is looking to relocate, these are the people to talk to. So shameless plug there, uh, for your yeah, business, but, sure. but let's, let's get into, I, I, literally coach, I could talk to you all day about this stuff because I nerd out on, on the analytics and the data and how that, you know, how we use that in our business. Um, you, you talked a lot about, you know, how you got to show up in the restaurant cycle. The fact that Ladanian, you know, he was living out his affirmations. Every time I touch the ball, I'm going to the end zone. Like right. what if, what if we as a business showed up every single day, you know, every day I'm going to congratulate somebody on making a sale in my, on my team, whether they did or not, you know, I'm, I'm getting in the practice of, of letting them know that I believe in them. You know, I think as, as leaders, we can do that. Um, I'm gonna go back to something else you said too, is, you know, you, you talked about leadership versus management. Um, one, one of the things that I believe is there's nouns and verbs. Management is a noun, right? I mean, that's a title. Right. Leadership, leadership is a verb. That's all action. Oh, I love it. You know, and, and so there's been so many great nuggets and this would be a two hour podcast selfishly if I just wanted to hear all your stories and I'm sure we could do that <laughs> offline, but, but we talked about mastering the fundamental and, and that's fundamentals. And that's all about making sure you got the right people, treating them, treating them well, and knowing that, you know, success does not happen in isolation. We talked about falling in love with practice. You gave us some great examples of, of people that were phenomenal at practice. If your practice isn't game speed, the game should be easier at, than practice, right? So like that listing presentation, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be hard sitting in front of a client if you haven't prepared well. So all of that, no matter what business you're in, no matter what you do, that preparation creates separation. You know, my kids are probably sick of me saying that, but preparation creates separation. And I then, and then I want to hear what is winning in the game of life look like for you at, at this stage, what is winning in the game of life coach? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate to have married the, the love of my life. Uh, and, uh, Missy, uh, we we celebrated 38 years. We dated four years prior to getting married, so we've been together. So I think she was 19, I was 20, almost uh, 21, 22. So uh, you know, to me, it it, it obviously I, I spoke about my faith earlier, which is blended in all of this. I used to kind of stack faith, family, football. I, I would kind of do it vertically, but I've learned for me, it's it's more horizontal, and it's all tied together like this. And so uh, beyond my, my faith is, is my marriage. Uh, and I've got the greatest, greatest wife uh, for me, obviously. And I was excited. Uh, I knew I'd probably retire from football full time about 55. I learned watching Tony Dungy walk away and some other guys and, and okay, if I, if I left at 55, what really does that, well, okay, what are my non-negotiables? Okay, my faith, I'm not compromising my faith. I'm not compromising my family. And I thought beyond 55, where my kids were now in junior high and high school, if I stayed in coaching, I had zero chance to be the father I wanted to be. And that's a non-negotiable for me. I want to be the best father I could be. So, okay, and so I got, I got fired up and I, and I joined Missy in real estate which now you get to work with your wife, your best friend, and learn from her. And she's, you know, we, what I like to do, she doesn't. 
What she likes to do, I don't. So it works perfect. We went and interviewed multiple couples uh, that had successful real estate uh, businesses together. And I, that's, I don't want to, that's another story. And really didn't get a ton of great answers, to be honest with you, because I'm not sure any, any of them were happy. So we thought, you know what? We better figure out our own way so that we can enjoy this thing. So then that goes to, to my kids, my four kids. I wanted to be available for, for all my kids as much as I could. And, and, and having the ability and having control of my own time, though I did go back to college for four years because I wanted to get them back into the college environment. What, what the college environment is great for your kids if you're a coach. The NFL for kids, it's more an adult game. There's no real band at halftime. There's not, you know, there's nobody their age. So to speak. So, I made a huge, a great commitment, uh, uh, and and went to LSU for that for my for my family, and it worked out great. It was it was awesome. So, um, success with my marriage, with my faith, my marriage, my kids, and then to have control of my own time and be able to go to a men's fellowship breakfast, to be able to travel to see my kids to. Uh, to, to do the things I want to do charity-wise. I get a chance to volunteer for the U.S. Open coming here in 2024. I've never done that before. I've never been a, a marshal at a, at a golf event. I'm fired up because the golf charities around here are off the charts. So just being able to you know, do those things and, and really make health, my, health a priority. In coaching, you think you do, but you don't. You're working 18 hours a day. Come on, maybe 20. I mean, you're, you love adrenaline. Adrenaline, when it, it, you're just running on adrenaline. And, and I realized I couldn't do that forever. So just being able to take care of my health, spend time with my wife, my family, and be able to help others do things like this um, to kind of help you further your mission, if you will. And, and then uh, anybody that, uh, uh, that I might be able to help, would just happy to do that. And again, just remember, um, if, I meet, if, if, if somehow we connect, I'm going to try, I'm going to learn more from you probably than you'll ever learn from me. That'd be my guess. That's fantastic. Well, that's, uh, that embodies a student of the game. And that, that's, that's one of the main reasons I want to get you on here, share your story. And, you know, we heard so much, but I, I think if, if the listeners can hear this thing in business, a lot of times and in your personal life, a lot of times we don't know what winning looks like. And, right. and if you're somebody right now that doesn't know what winning looks like, let's figure that out. You know, let's do some soul searching and figure that out. Because what I heard you say, winning in life for you is living by your non-negotiables, living by your core values. And right. what a fantastic answer. What a, what a beautiful answer. Um, it, it has to take somebody with experience and wisdom, you know, who, uh, who's lived a little, who, who's had some life experiences, uh, knock you down and, and also, you know, being on the pedestal as well. And, uh, what a fantastic answer the, before we wrap up, the, the last thing I ask all of our guests here is, uh, you know, my, my kids are always saying, hey, give them their flowers, give them their accolades. Uh, who is somebody in your life? Because this podcast is all about relationships win. Who is somebody in your life that you want to send some virtual flowers to? Who's somebody that has helped you get to where you are today? And I know with your resume, you have so many people, but if, if there's one or two that really just stand out that helped you get here, who's somebody you want to send some flowers to? Well, first, first and foremost is my mom. And, you know, I, I look back, my sister passed away uh, a year ago last month. And so now it's just me and my mom that are really left. And, and you, you, as, as you get a chance to reflect over time, you go, okay, we were in a little bitty apartment on the north side of Durham, it's a little area called Old Farm, and a two-bedroom apartment. It was me, my mom, and my sister. 
And I told you, my mom, you don't have something good to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. The first time a cuss word came out of my mouth when I was about seven, I didn't even know what I said, but I said, shit. Her, I didn't get to the T and her hand hit me across the face. Don't you, you're not, you know, it just, she early on and, and, and maybe that's frowned upon today. I don't know. Um, but it, she just taught me so much about how to treat other people. And then she modeled it. And I, so I go back. So, so why do I think the way I think initially? What, what, what is in my heart? Um, not just in my mind, but what's in my heart. My heart is just to, to help people and to be, to be kind to people. Yeah, I have my moments. I mean, I have a, a, a switch that'll flip. Most, co- most good coaches do. But I, I would just throw flowers to my mom. And then, uh, but a mom can't do it alone. And, uh, you know, to my stepfather, who's, again, turns 96, we moved here for that reason. First and foremost, yeah, the golf's a nice bonus. I love to fish. There's great ponds and, and, and the lakes around here, but it's to take care of my mom and my dad. And uh, I could, I would love to throw flowers a thousand different directions. And I, and honestly, I could, the list is so long, mm. but my mom, who's in a nursing home, we had to move her in there um, a, little, a, little, a little over a year ago and uh, see what she's going through. And then, the loyalty of my dad who sees her seven days a week and uh, uh, the love that he's shown her throwing flowers out to them uh, is where it would all start for me. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like it's been modeled for you. Um, and, and your life isn't a straight line. You know, your life, it wasn't a straight line of, of successes and there was a lot of challenges early. And I, I think, you know, what I heard and hopefully the listeners heard is, you know, with as much success as you've had in your life, as much as earthly successes you've had in your life, you weren't a victim. You wanted to learn. You wanted to keep growing. And and so I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing. This is going to bless a lot of people today, Coach. Um, I I can't wait to just chop it up with you offline here and and get to know you a little better. But uh, again, Cam Cameron, what a fantastic human being. Thank you for being on here today. You are a student of the game, and I know you blessed a lot of people. So uh, thank you for being a guest today. Well, thanks, Brad. Appreciate you having me. Uh, God bless you. A great job. Love what you're doing. And uh, look forward to, to meeting some people that are out there listening. Awesome. Well, if you like this show, uh, follow us on Instagram, underscore Brad Knoll, underscore. And uh, we just put a lot of content out that has everything to do with mastering the fundamentals, falling in love with practice, and then just figuring out how to win in life because we're all doing this life together. So let's not do it alone. Thanks for joining us today, coach. And uh, everybody, make it a great day and so many nuggets today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Student of the Game podcast. Whatever game you are playing, I'm cheering for you. See you in the next class.